Hi everyone, and welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name's Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Um, I'm actually doing really fresh and bouncy. Real um, fresh and bouncy. Yeah, just like really bouncy. Um, I bought my new, I think I told you this, I bought my new hip pads. Yeah. Uh, from Dragstop. Yeah. Um, I literally was like, <laughs> so terrible. I had an alert on my phone anytime they ever posted their story, and I've never used Instagram like that. Yeah. Like, because I was like, I need new hip pads. Instagram has become like such a shopping platform lately. It kind of has, right? Yeah. I, I think that's been their intention is to make it very shopping based, which it's working fuckers because these tar- these targeted ads are like so specific i know that you were looking to buy hip pads so I that's was looking to yeah buy hip pads. but it is weird like me and donna it happened to me and donna recently i said i was looking at something mm-hmm. and then it became up on facebook and i let's do a test right now so let's see um it'll, it'll be something that's like weird um i'm really looking for a new iron i need a new iron for my oh clothes. a new iron i would like an electric tea kettle um, and Donna's looking for an electric tea kettle. I wonder so, if we'll, we'll be able to find those. I wonder if that'll just come up on my phone randomly as it's sitting right near me. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know. That's, like, I really need to buy a new iron. We'll update you, listeners. <laughs> we will update you. <laughs> this <laughs> this will happen. <laughs> I like how they're like, this is how they start this There are stuff. no such thing as coincidences. Have you seen that TikTok of that guy? No. What, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? You haven't seen that? No coincidences? Okay, so it's like this guy and he's like, he's trying to do this spiritual thing where he's like talking to the camera. He's like, there's no such thing as coincidences. And it's like in a park and this girl runs by and she like, um, she's like, oh, sorry, because she sees that he's filming and he looks at her like really fast and then she screams. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been doing edits of like him like looking at her and then she turns into a statue or like, turns, in, <laughs> turns in, or she like screams and then like disappears like Thanos like got rid of her. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I it's yeah. So no such thing as coincidences. These targeted ads. <laughs> are done because our phones are listening to us. I, um, <laughs> I need an iron and Donna needs to buy a electric tea kettle. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so uh, before we continue on, Donna, let me ask you, what are you wearing this evening? So I'm actually just dressed as a uh, bouncy ball. That's also like a head of lettuce because I'm fresh and bouncy. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Oh, God. Well, um, that's kind of funny. Um, not that I was listening to your podcast, not your podcast, your TikTok earlier. I'm dressed as a statue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's why I'm painted in all white and getting yeah. paint all over my microphone and chair. Nice. Um, yeah, it wasn't that I was trying to do white face like you asked before we started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to see you do it. I just, just once. Just once. Um, <laughs> that triggers me, honestly. <laughs> And not the fact that you were saying that you wanted to do whiteface, but the, when you talked about being a statue, um, because it reminds me of Colorado West Pride I days. And I looked terrible. Oh god, terrible! All three of you. That was a journey. It was bad. It was a journey. It was. I was like, what? What was I doing? I look back at those photos, and well, actually, I don't look back at them because I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I don't have to look back at all of my mistakes. Coco has probably c- kept a record of them somewhere. I do somewhere. Them when they come up with my time. <laughs> oh God. Oh my gosh. There's probably so many like queens up on your Facebook. Like God, Donatella does not know how to do drag at all. <laughs> what was this? Well, actually, what's actually worse about it too is that. Um, I keep getting tagged. I think mm-hmm. I told you this. I keep getting tagged from people 
like living their best life. Like uh, Javi is one, and then Dustin is another. Um, who keep tagging me in all of these things about like, oh my god, look at this loving memory. I was like, that is so much trauma in one photo. Wait, god. aren't these people too that have like been awful to you? Yes. Like and what? So they're sharing them and then sometimes tagging me and like being like, look at this memory. They're tagging me and all the people on the phone. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, why? And like somebody told me they're like, just block these people. And I'm like, I should. Honestly, at this point, I have no ties, no ties to that part of my life anymore outside of the fact of it gave me where I am today. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, it's also insignificant to me now, which I mean, there are some great people I met, obviously, in my hometown and that supported me when I was, like, coming up in the scene. So thank you for sticking around. But there was also just a lot of toxicity and negativity in a small community like that. And honestly, in any drag community, which is why, I mean, I've, I've kind of taken a step back from drag altogether. And that's been very healthy for me. So. Yeah. yeah. And I've dived in full on head first and, and moments that has been really healthy for for me to have my creative outlets. Yeah. Opposed definitely. to my, my, I was going to say my stuffy day job, but really I love my day job, but mm-hmm. it's not creative. Yeah. So yeah. it's been great to have a creative outlet that I, I pursue every day. Speaking of healthy, <laughs> I ate an entire pizza before we sat down and recorded this. Uh, but and our guest, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't. I ate a whole large pizza to myself. <laughs> And our guest definitely did not do that. We have um, someone in the scene who's very active and um, is quite an athlete as yeah. well that we'll be interviewing for this episode. Oh, oh, and that reminds me, uh, Donna, how are you doing this evening? Oh, Coco, I will let you know after this brief commercial break. Uh, oh, you sound so good. I know, thank you. You do too. You know where we could hear more of that at? Yeah, you know, I just heard that they're doing drag queen karaoke every Thursday at Local Lounge. Really? Yeah, you can come. You don't have to be in drag. You sign up like regular karaoke, but they did add a new thing post COVID to where you put a microphone condom on. That way, you don't get sick. So it's safe. It is. And it's inclusive and it's fun. 21 plus though. Yes. Yeah. No minors allowed at this karaoke. Yeah. So please come enjoy the sassy drag queens and let's go out and sing. Maybe hear somebody better or probably someone worse. Bring your friends. Let's have a good cocktail and enjoy some karaoke. It's a podcast with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast. With Coco and Donatella Podcast. Well, Coco, I'm feeling energized and active because we have the lovely Polly Pop-Tart on tonight. Hi, Polly. How are you doing? Hi, hi, hi. I'm fabulous. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. We're happy to have you. Yeah, it's so excited to see you again. Well, we can see you, but they can't see you. But, you know, it's a whole thing that's happening. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that y'all had a podcast. When you said to hop on to a podcast, I was like, oh, this is my intervention. It's going to be recorded. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, All we right. have been wanting to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> here are the ways I've been personally victimized <laughs> by Polly Pop-Tart. <laughs> so, um, obviously, the first question is, so you're one of our newer guests um, who just recently moved to the scene. So let's do your background first so people can get to know a little bit about who Polly Pop-Tart is. Yeah. So let's start with your full drag name. Where did you move from? And how long have you been performing? 
So her name is Polly Pop-Tart because she's served hot, brightly packaged, full of artificial preservatives, and there's a hot cream feeling when you put her in your mouth. Ooh. I moved here from Oakland, California. I've lived in basically lived in Northern California my entire life. Um, and due to the fact that we were living in downtown Oakland in a cement floor single room studio apartment during the fires, the pandemic, the protests, and everything. Uh, we decided to move out of that and move to a place that has those same things, just a little bit less of it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You kept saying we. Who's we? Uh, me and my husband and my dog, Yukon. You're Aww. married? Oh, I am, it. yeah. I didn't know that. I've never seen this. Has this person been out at the shows? Have I uh, yeah, he's been at the sh- uh, they've been at the shows. I, uh, I'm i not wearing my ring right now because we just had sex, and I, you can't, like, do things um, with a ring on very comfortably, yeah. so <laughs> my ring is normally on my finger, but for this exact moment, it's not. I like how we're just going in hard immediately. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Raw and real. Raw and yeah. possibly. She is married. <laughs> Raw and real. That was the tagline earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that's the title of the episode. Darn. Great. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Tell me, so what is your favorite part about performing as Polly Pop-Tart? I love being on a microphone. I love being on a microphone. I like people listening to what I have to say. And most importantly, I enjoy people laughing. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell that about you, honestly. Like, you seem to be really in your comfort zone on a microphone. It's just like you love telling your jokes and you love hosting. You love I'm seeing. Because um, you have a show called Small Promotion. Um, Milk and Honey coming up at Local Lounge. Yes. On the third Saturday of the month. Yes, Local Lounge has been nice enough to offer me a a spot, and I'm graciously taking it. Um, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, uh, so Milk and Honey is kind of built off of, uh, so I am Jewish, and for the listeners that that don't know, I hosted my first show at Local Lounge on what I found out was the first night of Passover about a week before the event. And rather than cancel the event, I was like, oh, look, let me bring a mini Passover Seder and some Jewishness to Portland into my first event. I did like a five minute stand up piece that I had not rehearsed. I like written down the notes. I had the drag names like outlined and that was it. And it was, it went really well. And you know, the end of the Passover story ends with um, Moses taking the Jewish people to the land of milk and honey. So I decided to kind of name the event, kind of the recurring event that was to be after that, Milk and Honey. I love that. I love that too. That's actually really cool. You know, I think you explained to me the name of what that was, but I I feel like, I feel like it got lost in translation because I saw your bee costume and I was like, oh, Milk and Honey, because she's dressed like a bee. I didn't realize (laughs) it was the reverse order. Oh yeah. Um, I, I don't, was I, I might've been working on the bee costume before. And when I realized I could put those two things together, um, it definitely felt serendipitous. Um, and I'm a scientist. Like, I believe in, I'm all about science, and um, I can't explain that one scientifically. <laughs> I love that. So the other thing is, 
we know that you are a gymnast. Yeah, an athlete, really, yeah. of all sorts. You and, played soccer as well. Oh, yeah, like all these other sports that you played that I've never heard of and that, <laughs> or participated in. So can you give us a background on your sports history? Yeah, so I was a super rambunctious kid. I was just always bouncing off of walls and everything. I loved Power Rangers. My mom put me in karate just to give me something to do. And she said it was like day and night. I found discipline. I had a purpose. I was focused during class. When when the instructor first pulled my mom to the side, my mom was like, oh, crap. Like, the, the things about, she's about to say about my son are going to be terrible. And it was it was the opposite. Like, oh, your son's the best in the class. He's, like, always super focused. He's always, like, on the stuff. And... I didn't do karate for very long because I switched over to gymnastics shortly thereafter. But it was kind of this thing that kind of could channel all the energy I had into something that was productive, creative, and it didn't break things in the house as much. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. And when did you start incorporating um, gymnastics into your performance style? It was really from the start. So I did competitive gymnastics from ages 6 to 10. I was like on the Olympic track. I was practicing like 15 or 16 hours a week by age nine. Um, but I had a lot of broken bones and that wasn't really gonna happen for me long term. Uh, I did competitive soccer after that, kind of played some sports and I found drag kind of right after college. As I was graduating, someone shared drag race with me and it just kind of clicked that like, I wanted to create a character and I wanted to somehow infuse gymnastics with it because I was doing club gymnastics in college, which is mostly fun, but I figured that that could be a nice way to differentiate myself and kind of mm. pull this character out um, that I've kind of always had inside me. My first couple performances, I was doing a lot of the same acrobatics that you see now, and that was uh, eight years ago. Nice. Wow. Wow. Nice. So how do you prepare for, like, a... a acrobat heavy like performance when you're in drag yeah so what i used to do is i used to just go on stage and do it um now i have a different body um (laughs) it's a different make and model so there are some things that i gotta do so basically um a lot of queens love to spend a lot of time on their makeup and really like to sit into it and spend three hours to do that um i yep uh uh-huh yeah uh uh-huh yeah love that um (laughs) I probably spend a similar amount of time getting ready, but I, before I get in face, I hop on the Peloton and do that for a while to get my body warmed up. I spend probably an average of 45 minutes um, stretching and doing all that before I even get in face, because once you get in face, you're kind of working against the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I get to the gig, I mean, I arrive at the gig and I'm ready to go. All I have to do is put on my shoes, put on my gloves if I'm wearing gloves, that's it. Yeah. Um, but if I have time, I'll like do like a little bit more like just movement stuff to get my body like kind of ready to do that. Um, yeah. So most of it happens before I even get in face. Yeah. Nice. I love that. It's a ritual, just like it is for those of us that take three hours, but you take the extra time to like warm yourself up, which is what you should be doing, because a lot of queens will do things wrong and injure themselves. I'm one of them. I'm guilty of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've noticed that you've said online's kind of something about that, 
I, I think it was you, but it yeah. was like basically about, you know, like it's not worth it on your body, <laughs> like to go out there and, and tear yourself apart on the stage like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, we have one body to live in and mm-hmm. when you've had as many injuries as I have, um, 12 broken bones, three knee surgeries, numerous pulled muscles, injured tendons, cracked ribs, you know, all of it, you learn that the health of your body and everything is important. And I always err on the side of over-preparing. And if I can, you know, I figure out what are the things in the routine that people love the most and what are the things that injure my body the least. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to create routines and stuff like that that uh, can, can do both those things. Yeah, I super I appreciate that concept. As I've merged into my mid thirties, I have recognized <laughs> I have really recognized because there's things that the audience didn't love, but that means it might have been that I wasn't good at it because I never <laughs> really did it before. And so now that I'm merging into stuff that's more healthy for my body, um, and really focusing on those things that I thought the audience might not have appreciated, like and then working really hard because there are people who were doing those things and were successful but I wasn't so it's actually been a really interesting journey for me to like merge into like doing the slowest ballad at like a pop party (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like almost like you're being like a little bit of a rebel and kind of just forcing the change of pace yeah yeah and I, I have actually started doing that with drag race on fridays actually like they're like everybody's doing these high fast poppy numbers and coco's gonna come out there and do the slowest song on the radio bitch yes she will <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness so you had mentioned earlier that you're really comfortable behind a mic do you still get like those those jitters or those nerves when you're hosting uh like when you're trying to improvise or is that something that as you've done it more it's kind of like gone away and you've kind kind of become numb to it yeah that's a good question i think before you go on stage at any point you're always a little bit nervous and i think that the more you settle into and dial into the audience's feeling the better off you will be and there's this urge a lot of times and sometimes i get it when i'm performing like dance numbers too where you're like i have to kick high or do something like really outlandish right now and i have to like put on a show rather than being present with it and letting that come out naturally because you can do this the simplest thing as like a head turn and that can be more impactful to an audience than a high kick a split or a backflip it just depends on like the timing of it and how in tuned you are with the audience what is your five-year goal for drag like what do you like where like not where's like the end game but like where where's the journey headed like where what are you hoping to do is it like i want a comedy album i want a netflix special i want drag race like what is your what's your five years looking like yeah um i don't know that i have like a five-year plan that's very strange for me because i'm highly regimented and highly planned um i always say that my life is highly engineered um but for for drag i i thought of several things that i thought would be really cool you know several of them involve collaborations with professional sports teams um some recognition on like on that level i think would be really great it has always 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 been on my top to be in a peaches christ production I have looked up to Peaches for a long time. I think that the way that he creates shows is incredible and has not been 
like published as widely. Like RuPaul, before he started Drag Race, came to a Peaches Christ show for like inspiration. And Peaches mm-hmm. has been doing, you know, has been kind of doing it uh, guerrilla warfare style all on his own without much else. And I think has really built an impressive name for themselves. And I think that for me, that's kind of uh, a direction that I aspire to be in as well. Some of the, like, Drag Race is something that, like, I will fully admit, I applied to it this year. I put out a video. I haven't decided if I want to put that video out for anybody else to see it. But I think that the process of doing that forced me to think bigger. Um, A lot of the projects that I've done have been, like, I did a 365 days of drag names to basically start my drag career. I did a different drag name intro video every day for a year. The clips were anywhere, were averaged about 30 seconds in length. And for anyone who's had to create original content every day, like that's a lot. Um, and I've always thought to do things that like feel authentic to me, are ambitious and are big. And the times where I've been most disappointed in myself are when I don't think big and I also don't put effort into what I'm, I'm doing. So I think whatever I am doing in five years, I want to make sure that it feels special and unique to me. Um, I guess if I'm thinking more about this now, because like, I mean, Coco, you really opened a can of worms here. I would love to have a Netflix comedy special. I mean, doing, doing stand-up brings me so much joy, and writing stand-up when I get in that mindset is the best flow to be in um I actually I felt so warm and fuzzy after our producers dinner the other night I came home and wrote some things and I felt just super super great um yeah so I think that I think that something on the comedy spectrum of 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 stand-up on Netflix special would be great I think getting featured in um a show. I've always, like, I don't know how to make this, I don't think that it's appropriate, but, like, the Urkel-like character, right, on Family Matters, like, that's how I've always imagined myself as a performer. I don't need to be the star of the show, I don't need to have the most lines, but I want to come in and be iconic, have my thing, and get out. Like, that's kind of always been, I want to be that good at what I'm doing, in whatever specialized role I am. Mm. Um, and I think that any kind of opportunity that awards me that oppor- that that ability... Um, is, is very welcomed. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That that really does. I'd love to have a Netflix comedy special someday, too. I'm so new to comedy, too. I've only been doing it for two years. And I have a good seven-minute set, but that's all it is. It's no more mm-hmm. than seven minutes, unless I talk real slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a really admirable goal. Um, what are you hoping to accomplish while being in Portland? I want a weekly show. I want that weekly show to be wonderful, and I want that, and like that's that's my biggest thing. I want a week, not a, month, a monthly, monthly, not a weekly. Mm-mm. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do not want a weekly show. Weekly I want a monthly a show that I really can just kind of put all my my all into, and make it something special, something where I'm always thinking of new ways to make it innovative. I guess that's that that's as far as it goes. That that that's what I'm looking for here in Portland. I want to build up my skill set, build up. Um, my drag. I taught myself to sew this last winter. I made the bee costume that I think you all have seen before. It was the first thing I designed. Sewed, glued and stoned, head to toe. So how many, do you guys, have you ever watched uh, uh, Project Runway? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember Candace Cuoco? Yeah. She was a like, uh, she has a gothic quality to her. She works a lot with leather. I liked her. Yeah, she had the short black bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah. So I follow her super closely. She is the art mom that I never had. Yeah. And I told her this recently. I'm like, you're the art mom I never had. Here's the first thing I created. And she responded back to me and said that the first thing she created that she sewed was a bee costume for her daughter. That's insane. Oh, that's fun. And it was just like this was a super warm moment. I like... Yeah. I, one, of, one of my dreams of such is that I will eventually own a Candace Cuoco original that I will like if if in, if I were to get on Drag Race if that's my path I part of me really wants her to design the gown either my finale gown my reunion gown or my entrance look like the, it's yeah. one of those like three statement pieces that I really want her to be the one to create yeah Absolutely. That's really cool. That's that's a really heartwarming story too. I yeah, love that. That's cool. She has a really cool aesthetic as well. I'm I'm a big fan of the stuff that she put out there on her season. Yeah, she's incredible. She's in, yeah, she is. Truly. I like literally <laughs> bought she had like some like socks for sale or something and I like bought some socks from her website cuz like I wanted something Candace Cuoco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that the season 2 that Kelly from the Deli was on as well? Um I, f- I feel like they were on the same season, but I really I really liked Kelly from the Deli as well. She had like a really like uh, streetwear like type of aesthetic, and yeah. I think they were I think they were in the finals together on that season. But yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was a really great yeah. season. I mean, I think after that season, I don't I don't I watched, started watching another one and was like not the same. Yeah. Um, but I did watch uh, Making the Cut. Do you guys see that at all? The one on uh, Amazon, right? Amazon. It's with Heidi and Tim. It's kind of like the new direction. And I thought that it was a really interesting look at, a present look at the fashion industry and fashion because fashion designers are not spending their days sewing. They're having other people make things for them and they're kind of directing uh, an army basically to like build this brand. Mm -hmm, I think that was a really interesting way to looking at it. And I think that Drag Race will eventually will come to that head as well as like, how important is sewing on your own? Like, do you, and how how good are you actually designing, or can you just follow the pattern that you cut out from something and sew one seam into it? Yeah. Right, and actually, I think that that was really eye-opening, even with the new Cruella, to, Cruella movie that released on Disney+, Plus. is it was showing what fashion actually is nowadays, because it's not like some woman in her room, mostly, like, sewing by herself. Mm-hmm. It is somebody, like, leading an army of people and making all of the decisions to the hemline, to the to the stitch, to the pattern, to the fabric, to the, you know, the everything. They're making all of the decisions while somebody else is making it. So, yeah. Uh, really I haven't I haven't seen the Cruella movie. I know that I need to, though. I've, got, I've heard nothing but good I reviews. Either. It's I, so yeah. good. It's so good. I love it. I love it a lot. So, I want to switch gears on you, and we're going to great. ask a controversy question. Oh, great. Um, yeah, no, I, well, and it's actually just your opinion on controversy, so we can have a well-rounded interview. Sure. So, just for our listeners, at the time of filming this, because, you know, podcasts stay alive forever, so if people join in later, uh, the scandal happening in Portland, Oregon right now at the time of filming this is that an entertainer is, well, actually, there might be multiple entertainers, they're stealing tips from back rooms. Um, it's happened at local lounge. It's happened at Darcell's now. Um, and I don't know if it's happened at CC's yet, but, um, so yeah, tips are getting stolen. What 
um, if the person is uncovered, let's say it's one person that's doing all of this, what do you think should happen? That is a very challenging question. Um, and it's a challenging question because no one person can decide how a community treats a person. Yeah. It's community is, is built up of individuals. And I think that the best we can do is create a framework um, for this. So discovering that someone has stolen once is the best that we can do from now forward, right? Because if you find that someone has been stealing and it's 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 always hard to like, pin them to everything that has been happening before, the people will do it in their minds anyway. Right. Um, so, unless there is some CSI level shit that happens and, like, there's a fingerprint found that, like, links them back to all previous cases, I think that it should be looked at as a single occurrence. But I think even a single occurrence of stealing any other queen's tips or any performer's tips um, should be met with retribution yeah I could see that and Do you think that so obviously because with stealing tips it's a court of public opinion and let's say that the person does get caught right do you think that this person should no longer get to be no longer be able to perform at the venue that they steal at Oof, this, this, these are tough questions um and I think I'm in an unpopular opinion. I have always believed in um, forgiveness and building back trust. Um, so I think that there's basically like a, a deal that needs to be reached with the venue and the person. That's like, you know, you have you have broken more, like one of the biggest cardinal rules of performer um, respect, and for you to be allowed to perform, attend, or produce at this venue, here are the things that you would need to do to do that. And I think that that would be between, obviously, the venue, the performers involved, and the person who stole those tips. And I think the severity of that is definitely up to the discretion of the people involved and should be agreed upon by the core party involved and not involved, but the broader community. Um, I don't think that this should be something of a court of public opinion. I think this should be something that should be decided amongst the people who were directly affected. And I think it should be a consensus. Like, uh, no, um, everyone has to agree. Everyone has to agree to the terms of it for their to for them to move forward. Um, because I think that no one is going to feel the emotions that you feel as authentically as you. And I think when you open it up to court, like to the public opinion, it doesn't really do the situation much justice, much, much justice, because you as a performer, you as a as a as the leaders of the queer community, are deciding how you personally feel about the situation. And I think by doing that, by making, by showing that in solidarity, you lead the community in a way that I think is honorable. Right. And if the person doesn't want to do those things to uh, to to be able to perform there and be involved, that is up to them. But if they are truly sorry and they're willing to do what it takes, the people involved will tell you what it takes. Yeah. yeah actually, that's a, actually, that secondary part was a really good point, too, because it, like, because right now, obviously, the city is all up in, like, all in upheaval because they just want to know who it is. 
And some people think that they know, but nobody actually definitively knows. And so what happens with this is like, okay, so let's say we do identify the person, right? Like, what do we do from here? Do we, like, sorry, that person, like, they could be like, oh, well, I don't want to be in an uncomfortable environment because everybody knows I stole from them, so I'm not going to work there anymore anyway. Or they could be like, I don't want to make amends to the community, like, you know, they could, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. They could, and, and then the court of public opinion will drag them through the mud because... Everyone else was sort of think, well, if they care that little about where they where they performed in the past, where they've been caught, what are they going to think about me? And that I think is perfectly fair. If you if that's if that's the hole that you want to die in, I'll give you a shovel. Yeah, that's super fair. That's super fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, thank you for giving your opinion on that. It's funny because somebody who would be listening to this, like you know, two months from now. We'll be like, oh my god, I wonder what happened to that. <laughs> Listeners, we'll try to give you an update on it so it's not just like left out there hanging. It's a controversy of one episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coco, you have said, well, there are some people that think that they know. I mean, something tells me that you think that you know. I feel, I think that I know. Um, I, I do think that I know. But I don't know definitively. Like, I, like right. the reason I think I know is because I was narrowing it down based on the people who were at the shows that, you know, got their money stolen and but the reality is i never saw anyone take money and in all the places that you know the money was taken there's no cameras so i can never say like so to offer who i think it is would just do damage to that person because 100 percent, i wouldn't i don't know for sure yeah and rumors don't don't i mean don't often lead to good outcomes i will say that um we had talked offline and you had mentioned who you thought it was um and as just like a practice i have actually started counting my tips before I go out for my next number so I know exactly how much is in there and um, you know what I actually I I realized recently that I actually performed with this person recently and I now feel I guess a little bit more secure and at least knowing that I am I am counting and I am aware of it as much as possible but also you know I'm lucky to be financially fortunate enough in my and my professional life that I don't do drag for the money. Um, yeah. So I think that my, my my lens is definitely impacted by that. But I know that I work really hard for my drag, and I know that when I'm out there performing, that is the connection between me and the audience. And that's that I think would be the biggest impact for me, is that like I feel like I've lost the connection with me and the audience and kind of being able to take what they've given me and put it back into my drag for the next time that they see me having one extra thing to give them that they didn't see last time. And I feel like that would be lost from the broader community. Yeah, I can see that. I I, I really do. And I think what really sucks about it is drag is like, it's like the number one cardinal rule that if there was going to be any rules for drag, because drag has no rules, if there really actually was a rule, it would be don't steal tips. Yeah, it's so disrespectful, honestly. It just, it's, you know what the struggle is like being a queen and having to get things together. A lot of these queens aren't in a situation where they have a career that they can, like, rely on. Like, uh, some of the queens, like, drag is what they do. So, you know, it's, it, 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 can definitely feel like someone is spitting in your face when that happens to you yeah absolutely and it does suck and so i'm kind of you know what's interesting about it is like you know one thing that i'll talk about in a positive sense to not like 
leave it on that negative note yeah. is it did lead like because as everybody knows I'm the event manager at local um, we are doing cameras and backstage attendance now um, which is giving drag artists more opportunities to make money of course but then it also gives the security because like here's the thing like every single one of us has had something taken you know in the sense of like clothing or whatever because you know we all sprawl hairspray yeah hairspray nails like people take your stuff all the time on accident on accident on accident and you know the reality is it could be on purpose it really could but most of us like i've ended up with so many people's things in my luggage like like literally every time amy to kill phoenix performs and i perform in the same space I end up with some of her stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, how? Do, why is this? Some queens are sprawlers. I'm a sprawler. I would lose shit because some of my shit would end up in other people's stuff, and they were like, "Oh, hey, you love this," like because I'm I'm one of those people when I'm in a dressing room, I just like spread out. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and so it actually led to an opportunity for there to be uh, drag artists like getting more money, yeah. and then also we're going to be a little bit more safe. So it was great that the conversation happened because locals been around for a very long time doing queer related events even before the new ownership and there was never a camera before and people when they got their stuff stolen it was just gone and i guess the only thing that we can say about it is that people do have to take personal accountability too like if my stuff gets stolen even if i it's in a zipped bag underneath a suitcase in a locked bin or whatever like that like i don't know these people i don't know how i can trust my stuff with them so i have started leaving my purse with my husband at gigs I have because my purse is where I keep my tips and I started it keeping with him just because yeah. I I want to be able to not feel like especially on a good night of performing that really can sour the evening for you oh, oh sure. yeah yeah so that's what I started doing just on a happier note yeah but back to Polly <laughs> Polly's like what like what about me like what's going on one of the things I wanted to ask you we always ask this on the podcast and I know you're kind of new-ish here, so you might not know everybody, but the question we have asked every single one of our guests is if you got into a bar fight, mm-hmm. who in the drag community would you want on your side to help like beat Atlas. off like, the referee? Atlas, Atlas, 100%. <laughs> Atlas Marshall, hands Not down. even skipping a beat. <laughs> yeah, you have to nope. three people, three of them. Oh, three. Oof. This, is, this is tough because it's not something that I've like ever really thought of. Um, let me tell you a story real quick. So I was on a very competitive soccer team in high school, and we played a soccer game at uh, USF, which is the Catholic city in, Catholic school in San Francisco. There are large fences on all sides of this, uh, of this soccer field. And after the game, one of the members of our team said something super not nice um, to a member of the other team and got punched in the face. This was after the game was already over. Um, the other team was primarily uh, was primarily a Mexican team, and at one point, they were all they were all brawling. Some of them climbed over like a 15, 20 foot high fence to like get out of there while the cops were called. It was a thing. I did not defend my teammates because I did not think that what they did was honorable. I went over to take off my shin guards, take off my shoes, and put on my comfortable shoes. That's what I was doing when the fight was going down. So. <laughs> If anyone's listening to this and you want me on your team because you think I have like a decent set of muscle mass, um, just know that I am not any use in a fight. <laughs> I love how the, well, I took this question in a different direction than every single person we had. You're like, by the way, anybody else listening after this podcast, don't choose me. I will be useless. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Oh gosh, that's so funny. I'll be useless. <laughs> oh my goodness. You gotta pick two other people. I have to pick two other people. I mean, Flawless is definitely one of the people I would have behind me. Yeah. Who else? I mean, I have I have two others that I'm choosing between. Um, one is Antifa. Oh yeah. And Jtifa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the other one, I mean, Anj Tifa, because I know that verbally they will be throwing so much, and you need to be able to, like, to keep your side motivated during a fight. Like, if this is a fight that I have to be involved in, like, I'm responsible for the fight winning, like, I want to make sure that we have a team effort here. <laughs> so you need people in different roles to be able to be successful, right? You can't all have all... covered. You can't win a soccer game if you only have good defenders. You need some people who can score goals, people who score as playmakers... Um, I would probably be commentating, but, like, more for the audience behind me. And I would need someone, like, throwing fuel in the fire. So I think yeah. that Aunt Tifa would be really good for that. And then also I think Shaniqua Volt. Like, yeah. she can pack a punch. Shaniqua Volt can pack a punch. She is, like, she is the most, like, chill person. Every time I have met her, so motherly. But I know that there's a switch there. I know that she's got a switch. <laughs> I know that when she, like... My biggest, one of my biggest fears in Portland is Shaniqua Volt clapping in my general direction. <laughs> I know I have done something wrong if Shaniqua Volt is clapping in my face. It's true, it's true. I'm not joking. She's been chosen so much on this. <laughs> I, she is like the one girl people are like, they're like, it's seriously, if anybody gets to number two without choosing her, usually they choose like a good, good Judy first. Yeah. But somebody who could like have their back. But then the second one is always like, Probably Shaniqua. Shaniqua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I've seen her almost get into a fight, and I swear to the Lord heaven, I she called me afterwards. She called me afterwards after we were all home, and she's like, she's like, if you don't want me to perform ever again at local or like whatever, I'm just not gonna have people talking to me. She called me to apologize, which she scared the hell out of me. I thought I was like, oh, this little girl gonna lose her life. I was like, do not come at Shaniqua sideways. <laughs> it was great. It was so good. Oh my goodness, that's a good answer. Yeah, those are good answers. For sure, that yeah. was great. I, you know, I, has anybody ever said Antifa before? Yes, I think, I think we've did. had we've had one other, but yeah, you're. It's a she's a rare choice. Anne is definitely a rare choice. I'm. Yeah, I would be very surprised if anyone chose me for their team. <laughs> <laughs> also, not enough people in Portland really know me yet, so that's probably also part for the course. But give I it should, some time. Give it some you time. You know. <laughs> Anana said to me when I first moved here, she's like, you become, uh, and I'm not trying to be shady, this is just what she said. She goes, um, you will not be considered a real Portland drag queen until, until at least three people block you on Facebook. Oh, that's, that's, she said to that's me. happened. I was like, <laughs> me and Donna are real. But my Facebook's deactivated now, so joke's on them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> joke's on anyone that wanted to block me. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what she said. I just was like, it's funny. <laughs> uh, that, I guess I, I will never say never. Um, but generally, I don't think I post a lot of, like, controversial things. Obviously, Coco, I know that you're laughing for the one thing that, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but generally, like, I say, I like to think that I stay pretty clear of it. Um, because also, I don't think that people really, when people tune in for Polly Pop-Tart, they're not looking for, like, a commentary on current events. Like, if they are, it's like a super, like, distant joke, I think at best. Like, one of the jokes that I tell as a part of my set is, oh my god, I love you guys so much, I can just reach out and kiss you! But I won't do that because I'm not Andrew Cuomo. 
Like, that's as far as I get about commentating on, like, public events that have things. Yeah, I've mostly stayed away from that. But, you know, who knows in the future? um, I could be, um, you know, um, on the Today Show, Kelly Ripa could decide that I am her successor and that I am taking uh, the responsible role as the blonde girl on the television, and um, I could become Megan McCain. You never know. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, and you want to know what's funny about Megan McCain? Because I actually, someone told me that I should do her in Snatch Game, that she would be really fun. Basically, just anything. But Daddy said I could do it. Daddy said I could say this. Um, she is like Veruca Salt, honestly. Yeah, basically. Basically. She's actually taken kind of an interesting political, um, like, route where she is now thought of. Because she supported Joe Biden in this last presidency, and I don't think that she is a bleeding heart liberal by any by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that like being in the public eye so much and having to converse and defend your positions has pushed her more to the left. Because in this day and age, facts are facts, America. Science is showing, and people are valuing defendable facts more often and I think that the longer that you're in the public sphere the more you have to either answer to that or recognize that you don't base your decisions thoughts ideologies and actions on fact yeah yeah I I feel like quarantine too I think I feel like feel like that gave people a lot of opportunity to kind of like wake up I feel like not only did it give people time to kind of like look inward and figure out what their ideologies were but there was just a lot that came to light when we didn't have anything else to do you know and i i think that that also i mean that could be a result of why a lot of people who were maybe like more far right are kind of taking the time to like value the facts as you were saying yeah Yeah, definitely i think that my own quarantine experience was kind of twofold one was kind of barreling down my hatchet and building up a a drag reservoir and the other half was doing a lot of introspection realizing that I do have a lot of like like racist tendencies or racial things kind of inside me that like are there Mm -hmm. and I think that some of it is coming to terms with some of it is education some of it is just like awareness that like in a lot of these conversations it's like yep it's there And, and 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 trying to be as aware of it as possible because like the route to solution only starts with recognition, but like yeah. sometimes you don't see where the rec- where like the path leads, and it can be very um, stressful to try to like make it better in one fail swoop. And I think that that's kind of where a lot of this. So historically, I so my friend posted about this like what was it? It was a anti racism seminar that he put on, and it happened, to, and I and I joined in for it. It happened to be a week and a half before George Floyd happened. And I think that the timing of that was, again, serendipitous. Scientists, I don't believe in serendipity, but it, the timing of it was interesting because I felt like I had a few more tools, but I still felt like I fell into a lot of the patterns that like weren't seen as helpful and were seen as like putting the onus back on communities of color. Um... I think that's probably one of like, the hardest things is like how do you ask the right amount of questions 
about without putting the onus on somebody else to fix. And that's been probably the hardest thing that I think that has kind of come through quarantine is that like, yes, that recognition is happening, at least like for me personally. Um, but I don't think that like asking questions and kind of that piece has been as well flushed out. Yeah. That makes sense. That does. That makes sense. Well, I appreciate that you're on a journey of continual self-discovery. Anti-racism takes a really long time to achieve. And actually it's not really impossible. It's not really actually possible to achieve in a lifetime especially in a racist America, but it's definitely one thing that we have to continue working at. Yeah, always. So, yeah. I do appreciate the work there. Yeah, and for my day job, it's actually coming into an interesting... Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, as Coco, I think I mentioned yesterday, I work for a genetics lab that focuses on women's reproductive health, and part of my job is changing medical policy nationally to get people, to get women better coverage on prenatal testing. And part of my job has been finding advocacy groups to help increase coverage. And like part of my job has been identifying a lot of um, minority health advocacy groups, black maternal health, etc., to push on this because there was data that came out of California. I'll say it again, California, that found that women of color were less than half as likely to be offered all prenatal screening options than white and Asian women. And that's in California. So Nationally, the expectation is that it's that the disparities in health are much worse. And I think that the timing of a lot of this has been really eye-opening to me because I've gotten to see not just that disparities are happening, but they're happening in ways that are connected to the world of which I'm a part of. And I think that what a lot of people lack is that they live in such insular communities where their friends, their neighbors are all, they all look at the same or very similarly. And I think that knowing more diverse people is the first start to is the first step in creating empathy more broadly that's yeah yeah i yes i i always believe that the biggest way to end bigotry is by exposure and by exposure yeah. i do mean communicating and becoming friends with people who don't have the same identifiers as you so, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And that's not really shocking, too, when it comes to this whole thing about the health field. It's actually becoming a little bit of a boom right now on TikTok about how black communities are saying that they're exposing the medical, like, the entire medical industry that the services that are offered to black people don't quite fit with black people, um, mm -hmm. just in general. And it's been really, really interesting um, to see. It just really has. Um, as we get to the end of the episode here, um, we always like to ask, is there anything that you would like to promote and what are all your socials? Yeah, absolutely. So I would like to promote, obviously, Milk and Honey, uh, third Saturday of the month at Local Lounge. Um, tickets for that. When, when is this? I don't know when this is going to be. Whenever it is. Whenever it airs. Um, what else do I have going on? I perform. I'm a recurring cast member for... Uh, stag brunch on the second and fourth Sunday of the month. Um, you can get those tickets at at on Stag's website. Um, and then I put out a whole bunch of original TikTok and Instagram content. Um, it's at Polly Pop Tart with one L. Um, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. I technically have a Twitter. I mostly have a Twitter so that I can write jokes and then post the screenshots of them to my Instagram story. 
Um, if you want to be on Twitter with it, great. And if not, um, my anemic Twitter following will eventually be a joke that you can come see in a comedy show near you. <laughs> I love that. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on and spending the evening with us. This will air before your show, actually, so this will be good promotion for it, too. Awesome. And we, re- we really just appreciate getting to chat with you for a little while. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to chat with us tonight. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So thank you, listeners, so much for tuning in. Follow Polly on all their socials. Yes, you'll be able to see their pictures on... I'll post the B picture on agemofasecretpodcast.com. And then I also will include a link to Milk and Honey, not specifically because I want that event to be heavily attended for no other reason. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go quickly. The tickets are selling out soon. Yes, Yes. get them quick. Absolutely. So bye, listeners. Thank you. Bye. This has been another episode of HM of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of HM of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at The Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is A-J-E-M of a secret podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at ajemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.